We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Hit and Run on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago Sports Station. It's Gabe Ramirez. Right here, broadcasting live from The Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. It's okay, Caesar, let it play. I'm talking over it. I'm like a... I've been doing this all weekend. Talking over songs and, and, and intros at Masflow. Big festival happening. Hosting today as well. But today, right now, we're hosting Hit and Run. In for Matt Spiegel. And we get to talk a little bit of gambling. I love gambling. And this guy, not only does he know, is, is he a great number cruncher, but he's also the exec- executive producer of my show on Saturdays on the BetQL Network. It's called Chalk Talk. Let's go ahead and welcome in on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. My boy, Zach Crow. Zach, what's going on over there on the east side? Gabe, what's going on, my guy? Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, just enjoying a big two-game sweep of a doubleheader. Whoa, for the whoa, whoa. But it was a great Coming yeah. in hot. You do understand that you're on. This is not Chalk Talk on Beck You're actually on the radio in Chicago, so people might find you. It's a different kind of different oh, I, kind of vibe here, buddy. Oh, I know, man, and uh, it's been a, a down season for the Cubbies. I know they'll get things uh, turned around quickly, hopefully. But uh, what, it was an exciting double uh, header yesterday. Two very uh, good games, both ending in extra innings uh, for the Mets yesterday at Wrigley Field. Yeah, tough. What, what's your take on the Mets? I mean, obviously, what I what I said earlier was that this was sort of you know the, the Mets were a measuring stick for the for the Cubs. It's where they want to be in a couple of years. And there are those games throughout the season, regardless of how well you're doing or how poorly you're doing as a, as a franchise. You do see those games on the calendar, and you're like, "Are we? how bad are we? We're not that bad. We can play well against some top-tier teams. And they did. They pushed them to the brink, like you said, extra innings. But you're the, you're the Mets guy. What's your take on the Mets team, and how far do you think they can go in this, uh, uh, as the season winds down? Gabe, it's funny, man, because as a Mets fan, you just get so used to over the years watching them show you some promise, show you some hope, but so many times they let you down. Last year at this time, the Mets went into the all-star break in first place, and it totally fell apart in the second half. But this year, it just feels a little different, bringing in a first-year manager in Buck Showalter. And throughout the season, the Mets have been a very good team, but there have also been times where they face some adversity, and every time they've stood up and responded very well, this uh, right before the Cubs series, they had a big uh, three-game set in Atlanta. A lot of Mets fans were nervous. 
took two out of three. And uh, as of right now, they have a two and a half game lead over the Braves in the NL East. Both those teams are really good. Both those teams could do serious damage in the playoffs. But I've just been very impressed by the way each and every time the Mets have faced some adversity, they've responded. And props to Buck Showalter for that, doing a first a great job in his first year uh, here in New York. Well, speaking of adversity, the Cubs have lost three games straight to the Mets. And I'm, I'm a firm when, when talking about gambling specifically, Zach. I always look at that. I'm like, okay, well, they're not, are they going to get swept? Because this is a place to make money. Right now, today, the Mets are minus 145, Cubs plus 120, which is not a great line for an underdog and a team that's lost three straight right there. But do you feel as though the Mets are going to walk away with that sweep and, and minus 145 is looking good to you? Or are you, you taking the run spread there? Like, what, where's your gambling mind at when you're looking at this last game of the series? Yeah, well, the Cubs have been really struggling, and the Mets uh, have been playing pretty well. David Peterson going to be on the mound tonight for the Mets. And it's funny, Gabe, he's been a guy, a young pitcher. He's been up and down, but it's crazy. A few weeks ago, he had a start against the Rangers where uh, his kid was on the way, his, uh, about to be on paternity leave, could be coming, and uh, he's pitched one of the better games of his career and a, a lefty pitcher for the Mets. That's the thing also. Uh, facing some injuries. Max Scherzer just came back, Jacob DeGrom as well. But uh, with David Peterson on the mound, I do give the slight edge to the Mets. Just seeing a team 58-34 and 34 at minus 140 over a struggling Cubs team, I'll just take the Mets there, minus 140. Not too bad of a price. So you're not even, even going to say the run line. At least you weren't that disrespectful. And you're like, I'll take the minus 1.5 for plus 120. That would have been better right there. But let me tell you something. Here's why, the, here's why the Cubs can win you some money today. You just said it, Zach. He just had a baby on July 1st. As a dad of two, over the last two weeks, he's gotten no sleep. And it's effect, it's going to affect his pitching today. You've seen it. The game after that Rangers game that you just mentioned, he only pitched three and three and two-thirds against the Reds. Against the Reds. Then against Atlanta, he ended up, I actually pitched well. He got the loss, but he, he had nine strikeouts and five in the third. But I don't know. I'm telling you right now, the kid's going to weigh on him. Maybe I'm just projecting right now because of how my kids make me feel. But th- th- this this might be a game get, might be a game where you can win some money. Plus one twenty is just not enough for the underdog. I I just think that's not enough money for me right there. What do you think about the over under sitting at eight runs right now? Eighty eight percent of the money is, is is on the over for this game. What do you think, uh, Zach? Yeah, I tend to favor the over as well. And that uh, brave start you mentioned about David Peterson, it was unfortunate because he did pitch very well and was in position to leave with the win. But literally his last batter, he gave up a two-run home run to Matt Olson, which put the Braves up 2-1. But, yeah, I think there are going to be some runs scored today. Uh, Adrian Sampson on the mound for the Cubs pitched all right his last outing against the Orioles and uh, pitched even decently uh, in the previous outing before that against the Brewers. But – uh, these games haven't really been that uh, high scoring, uh, pretty low scoring in the two games of the doubleheader yesterday. I think there are going to be some runs scored today. Uh, nice day there in uh, Wrigley Field over in Chicago. And just two not great pitchers. Uh, I expect the Cubs bats to get going a little bit before the All-Star break. I'll favor the over. Zach Kroll from BetQL joining us here on 670 The Score. It's hit and run. My name is Gabe Ramirez. I'm filling in for Matt Spiegel today. Let's go ahead and talk about another prop that I was looking at earlier. Dylan Cease on the mound for the White Sox today against Chris Archer. The over-under for a strikeout, Zach, is sitting at seven and a half. I, I, I guess the cynic in me is like, he's not going to continue to pitch this well, right? The, the Sox cynic is what I would say. He's not going to continue to pitch this well, but seven and a half seems very manageable. What's your take on, on the over-under right there for Dylan Cease and his strikeouts today against the Twins? Yeah, I've been someone that's really been riding the Dylan Cease strikeout props really throughout the season. Oh, really? Okay. That's what's up. 
having nine in his uh, last start against Chicago, even eight before that uh, against Detroit. And I, I'm a big fan of Dylan Cease. I just think as disappointing as a season as it's been for the White Sox, he's just been the one guy to kind of uh, exceed expectations and just be consistent and be uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball. I still really don't know how uh, he did not get selected to the all-star team. He's had a phenomenal year in the Cy Young race, in my opinion. But, yeah, uh, I tend to favor the over today against the Twins. Um, they're a team that strikes out a decent amount. And, um, you know, they have some, some good bats, but uh, I do favor the over there with Dylan Cease. He's just been a guy I've been riding throughout the season. Yeah, that's what it is. When you make money on a guy, eventually it's going to balance itself out. <laughs> so I feel, I feel exactly. like in this position, Zach, it's like, okay, maybe I will take the under. But, man, 142 strikeouts on the season. He's been pitching lights out, as we know. But this Minnesota team can put the bat in the ball. And that's, the, that's where I would take the under on this one in particular because we know they're a good hitting team. We know they're, they're, they're a slap-happy team, literally. And in this particular case, I don't, it might sit just at seven, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and look at the end of that. What do you think about the actual game? Obviously, the White Sox won two out of the last three against the Minnesota Twins today, wrapping up the series game four. Who do you got just in terms of uh, uh, winning that game, I should say? I favor the Sox, especially at minus 125, uh, seeing that price with such a big pitching advantage, in my opinion, with Cease going up against Chris Archer. And look, you said it. It's a big series uh, for the White Sox going into the All-Star break in the first half. They've been probably the most disappointing team in baseball, sitting at four games back of the Twins right now. And I do think that winning three out of four games in this series would be very big for the White Sox. Go into the All-Star break with some momentum. Only three games back wouldn't be uh, too too bad. You, you could catch up to that. And there's just a huge difference being five games back or being three games back, especially going into the All-Star break. I know it's not officially the halfway point in the season, but it's the unofficial halfway point. And uh, I expect the White Sox to get a big win uh, with our guy Dylan Cease on the mound. It'll be good for the White Sox to get back to 500. They've split their last couple of series against the Guardians and the Tigers, and so I would hate for them to do it again as a Sox fan. I would hate for them for them to then split this because it just means you're living in mediocrity, right? You want them to sort of have some momentum. Everybody wants them to be playing up to the level that they thought they were going to be at at the beginning of the season. 91% of the money, 91% of the money is on the Sox uh, run line, minus one and a half. So clearly the thought there is Dylan Cease is going to keep them to a low output and the White Sox bats are going to continue to be hot. But I don't know, man. Those are the ones where my emotions get involved. And, and if we all... You know, if, if everything happened the way we thought it would, we'd all be a lot richer. And that doesn't happen, Zach. We know this from our show, Chalk Talk, on BetQL, that that's not the case. So that's one of those ones where I just stay away from. The, the, I'm just like, I'm not going to bet the Sox. Because if they lose, then I'm going to be really upset. I'm already going to be upset if they lose. Because then they're splitting the series and they're two games in the five, 500 and you're five back. But if you win, you just got to take it, have yourself a beer, enjoy yourself. We're talking to Zach Kroll. He's joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Home of the world's largest sports book. So what are some other games? Actually, you know what? Before you get to the games that you you can you think of that we can make some money on, I want to talk specifically about the Red Sox and the Yankees, Chris Sale on the bump, going up against Garrett Cole. That's gonna be that's a fantastic matchup right there. Who do you got in that game? Who who are you who are you leaning towards? Yeah, so that is a fantastic game. And uh the Yankees right now coming in at minus one eighty five, Boston plus one sixty five. And Gabe, it's crazy. Garrett Cole's last start against the Cincinnati Reds, of all teams, he couldn't have been better. Eight shutout innings, and the Yankees actually went into the ninth inning with a 3 nothing lead, and Cincinnati all of a sudden comes back 
and uh, they get the win 4-3 over the Yankees. It was a surprising loss. And the Yankees, they've been the best team in baseball all season, plus 300 to win the World Series, 63-28 and 28 right now. But it's crazy. They, what they do so well is they win one-run games. They have the best record in baseball in one-run games. So that is a really good attribute to have. In terms of today's game, I do favor the Yankees at minus 185, and I would even look into the run line at minus one and a half. Matt Carpenter, I know he's a former Cardinal, and a lot of people in Chicago are familiar uh, from his days in the (laughs) NL Central, but he has just been tearing the cover off the ball. The Yankees brought this guy in. uh, He was cut by the Texas Rangers out of spring training, and he's just been hitting great. Two, uh, Two, three run homers last night. The Red Sox can't get him out. And uh, Chris Sale, only his second start back, never a great idea going into Yankee Stadium. And the Yankees' bats are pretty hot. I do favor the Yankees, and I would even look at uh, them at minus one and a half on the run line at plus 115 for today. Man, usually you and I, we're right on the same page, Zach. This one, maybe it's because I feel like my producer, Cesar Perez, where my homer heart is beating. I hope that Chris Sale gets on the mound, rips off his jersey, and there's a White Sox shirt underneath. Because I'm favoring him right now. He, he looked great in his first outing. Didn't give up any runs. I'm talking about Chris Sale, of course. And, you know, Garrett Cole's last outing just like 10 days ago was against the Red Sox. And didn't necessarily, I mean, it was, you know, it's Garrett Cole-esque. But he gave up five earned runs in that one. So it's almost as if there's, you know, a little bit more umph there for the Red Sox. But you mentioned it, though, yourself. You said they've won a lot of one-run games. You're talking about the Yankees. So in this one, if I have Chris Sale on the bump and I get a run and a half, I might do that. Sitting right now, the Red Sox minus one twenty with a run and a half. So I, I think that's. I think to me that's where I'm leaning with that one in particular. The over under sitting at seven and a half. What do you think about that? When you think it's going to be a high scoring game, or you think they're going to? Uh, it's going to be a pitcher's duel. Yeah, it's always hard when you have two great pitchers like Sale and Garrett Cole going up against each other with the over under set at seven and a half. I would tend to agree with you on the under. Um, and it's crazy. As good as Garrett Cole has been lately, the one guy on the Red Sox that owns him, he had another home run last night, just one of the best hitters in baseball, is Rafael Devers. Uh, That start you mentioned uh, for Cole at Fenway a few, 10 days ago, Devers hit two home runs off of of him in that game, and Cole even said it after the game. He said, can someone help me get this guy out? Because I just have (laughs) an idea how to do it. So uh, Rafael Devers, his home run prop today, that could be another one to look at for sure. Ooh, that's a good one. What's it sitting at? (laughs) Do you know? Yeah, I'll pull it up. Right yeah, yeah, now. pull it up in a second because, listen, I like to make money. So anything that has some big numbers on it, I'm all for it. Of course, we're talking to Zach Krull from the BetQL Network joining us right here on 670 The Score. It's hit and run. I'm Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel. All right, before we get you out of here and before you tell us that prop bet, uh, the odds for that one, what are some other games you're looking at on the slate today in the MLB that our people can win some money? Yeah, so by the way, Devers, that home run prop, prop is plus 300. But, Gabe, the team I'm looking at today is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're minus 145 on the road uh, at the Miami Marlins with Aaron Noah on the mound going up against Taylor Rogers. And the Phillies are another team kind of similar to the Mets where they went into the season with some expectations, even though they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. And they've just been so desperate uh, to, to succeed and win games. And after a slow start, they've uh, brought up Robbie Thompson as their new manager and they've just been a completely new team after getting rid of Joe Girardi. They took the first two games of that series in Miami. And the Marlins, they just can't hit. Shut out 10 nothing yesterday. They lose 2-1 on Friday to the Phillies. And Aaron Nola has been great in his last few starts. Trevor Rogers, not so much. I'm going to be on the Phillies today as my best bet, minus 145 to sweep 
uh, the Miami Marlins there in Miami. I like that. I like that. It's, I always say it's tough to, to bet a team to sweep, and I, I usually try to stay away from those games. But when you're spewing out stats like that, Zach, I wrote it down already to put in one of my parlays. All right, so what, what's another game you're looking at on the slate for today? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good slate for today. Another one, I'll, I'll give you an, uh, an underdog. Um, the Texas Rangers, they are currently plus 115 at home today against the Seattle Mariners. And it's crazy with the Mariners. They are the hottest team in baseball, winning 13 consecutive games, winning another game uh, yesterday in the 10th inning over Texas. But I'm going to be with the Rangers. Glenn Otto, uh, he's due for a big start. Chris Flexen going to be on the bump for Seattle. He has not uh, pitched so great in his last few outings. And the Rangers are one of those teams. I've been uh, taking their team total over in the past week as well, making some money off that. They're a team that finds themselves into, uh, in, in with a lot of slugfests. But uh, with Glenn Otto on the mound, I'll be on the Texas Rangers today at plus money over Seattle. I like that. Texas in the over. Go ahead and take Philly to go ahead and sweep. And then he's a Mets fan, so don't listen to him when he talks about the Mets beating the Cubs today, man. Win yourself some money. Take the Cubs. Zach, thanks so much for hanging out with me, man. I appreciate you holding me down on Saturday and, of course, today as well. I'll see you next week on the show, all right? Gabe, thanks for having me, my guy. Have a good weekend. Of course, from the East Coast BetQL Network, Zach Kroll joining us right here. We're inside of Hit and Run. This is this is fun. This is my first time doing this show. I love talking baseball, especially when, especially the gambling line angles. That's my, that's my favorite. That's where I'm really trying to win some money. But we're also getting an opportunity to talk about the young guys and uh, – the farm systems of our teams, the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. Who are some people that we should be looking at? The draft is here. And in order to find that out, we are going to be talking to none other than Keith Law, baseball writer for The Athletic. He's going to be talking to us about the MLB draft that's coming up. And who are some people in the Cubs and Sox organization that we should be having an eye on that might be up this season? We'll talk to Keith Law on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez in for Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Hit and Run on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago Sports Station. It's Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel today on Hit and Run. We're live and local today inside the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Let's go ahead and make it out to the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. You know, the Futures game was yesterday. We got the draft today. So, of course, it is my pleasure to bring on Keith Law, baseball writer for The Athletic. Keith, thanks for waking up this morning on a nice Sunday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. First off, takeaways from the game, uh, from the Futures game. What were they for you? Yeah, well, I mean, my biggest takeaway is I wish it was nine innings and not seven innings. It always feels too short. <laughs> right. And we get guys, I think Josver Zuleta from the Blue Jays threw one pitch. That was his entire day. So it's not really quite what you're looking for. But um, there were a couple pitchers who really stood out. That's usually what happens in these showcase games, right? You get a starter like, you know, Yuri Perez from the Marlins, Bobby Miller from the Dodgers. They're used to going six innings. And they're told, hey, you got one inning, 15 pitches. Just go air it out. So Miller was up to 100. Perez was up to 99. Both those guys showed a full mix of four pitches, some pretty good secondary stuff. So, I mean, they they stood out a good bit more than the hitters did. We did see some pretty impressive stuff from some of the hitters. I would say Jason Dominguez, who's only 19, Yankees prospect, going dead center off a 94-mile-an-hour fastball when I – think he was the youngest player in the game. If he wasn't the youngest, he was very close to it. 
that that stands out. That's impressive. Like, I know he's got power, but to see him do it in an actual game against the pitchers, trying to get him out and throwing a major league quality fastball, that means a little something to me. So that, I, I try to take little things away from that as opposed to, say, changing my entire opinion on a player based on a one-inning look. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing that. I mean, it's what you want, though, right? If you're these teams, yeah. you want them showcased out there, being being there for you, Cubs. Obviously, Pete Crow Armstrong in the game yesterday. What, what's your outlook on him and, and what he can bring to the organization? Yeah, he's done some nice things with his swing. If you if you were able to see the game, not a lot of people were. Um, <laughs> he uh, went the other way in the ninth inning, stayed back on a ball, and sort of lined it down the left field line, showed off his speed, ended up on second base. I like what he and the Cubs have done with his swing since the trade. He's always had a great idea at the plate. He can really play center field. I think he's probably still more of a table setter guy, for leadoff type, maybe a second hitter if the power continues to develop. But I think more likely, just given his size, probably one of those high on base, enough power to be a, a decent big leaguer, adds value because he's got speed and because he can really play center. Now, Keith, some people are saying he's two or three years away from being called up. What do, what do you think? I mean, obviously, Cubs fans are looking for something to, to be hopeful for. Uh, what, what's your take on when he can make it up to the big leagues? Yeah, that's probably right. That whole group, him, Kevin Alcantara, who came from the Yankees in the Rizzo trade, Kevin Made, James Triantos from last year's draft, those guys are probably all at least two years away. And look, if a guy gets called up a little sooner – and, you know, up and down. I'm not talking about that. When does a guy get called up with the idea that he stays and he's playing every day in the lineup? That's when I think this whole group of guys, all of whom have either they started in high A or they've been just promoted to high A, that's when that group starts impacting the major league lineup. I feel like I even forgot another guy. There's some, oh, Owen Casey, who came in the Darvish trade. That whole group, that's going to produce three or four big league regulars, I think. But they're probably a solid two years away from having that impact in the big leagues. Yeah, and, and and that's the good thing, right? You want your window to start at a certain time, and you want your organization to build the team around that time frame. So it's good to hear those words because then you're saying to yourself, okay, well, at least I know that the future looks looks a little bit bright. The future looks bright for Oscar Colas, of course, the, the, the other the White Sox that, uh, player that was in the Futures game as well. Made a nice little tumbling catch. What, what, what's your what's your take on him and, and what he can bring to the organization as well? And I've seen him outside of this. I saw him in spring training a couple times. I saw him when Winston-Salem uh, came near me uh, about a week and a half ago. I think he's got above-average power. I think he's got above-average speed. Um, I think he's probably a solid regular somewhere in the outfield. I don't think he's going to be a star. I don't think he has the upside of, like, a Luis Robert, for example. Sure. He's not as big. He's not as explosive. But I think he's got a chance to be a regular. And honestly, for what they – I think they gave him like $2.5 million back in January – uh, that's a pretty good outcome. And I think he'll probably get there a little sooner than, say, these Cubs guys we're talking about. He's a little bit older. He's a little bit more experienced. The thing that he still needs to work on is some of his pitch selection. It's not even just so much recognizing types, but I have seen him offer it some pitches that probably he'd be better off letting go by. And that is an experience thing. Yeah, and belief in yourself and in your bat and what you, mm-hmm. can, what you can do, right? Yeah, hopefully he yep. makes a turn in that. Uh, the Orioles are hoping that the guy they draft today ends up in the Futures game. Eventually, they have the first overall pick. Who who do you is there is a shoe in for the number one, or or, or do you think something's going to happen there? No, there's there's definitely no shoe in, and the word is they still they're they're even still saying to other teams we're down to 
five guys, which is kind of silly, right? You, the first pick is in a few hours here. You should, you should have it down to two. <laughs> right. Uh, but this draft does not have a no-doubt 1-1 type of guy. There is Drew Jones, Andrew Jones' son. He is number one on pretty much every public board. He's number one on mine, Fangraphs, uh, MLB Pipeline, ESPN. We, we all agree he's the best. Where we disagree a little bit is, is he far and away the best? Or is he just the best of this particular group? And I'm in the latter camp. I think there's several other guys they could legitimately take with that first pick and walk away very happy, feeling like they got a great player. And they might be able to get a better deal if they decide to take someone else and save, say, $2 million on the signing bonus, the way our draft works. They can take that money then and put it towards other picks. And there are plenty of guys they could take. They have extra picks, the two extra picks this year. And plenty of high upside high school guys they could take that money, give that money to, to walk away and say, hey, we, we didn't get Drew Jones, but we think we got three first-round talents in total in our entire draft class. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Are, are you, I mean, obviously, what can, what can MLB do to make the draft just more exciting? It seems as though people, people have been c- catching on as of late, but like, do, do you think there's anything they could do to make it be the spectacle that maybe the NFL has or, or NBA has? I think it's always going to be niche because we take high school players and they don't come right to the big leagues like they do in those other sports. But that's fine, right? Let's do the best we can with what we have. And to me, the two things they could do differently are, one, allowing more trading of draft picks. We just had a trade of a draft pick where Atlanta traded three minor leaguers, one of whom was himself a pretty well-known prospect, Drew Waters, to Kansas City for one of the few draft picks that you can trade. You can trade your competitive balance picks, but that's it. And – that made a lot of headlines for us at The Athletic. We ended up putting up a story about it that I know got pretty good traffic. People get interested in that. And if you have draft picks, if you can trade draft picks, especially around the time of the draft and they get traded, it will immediately generate more fan interest. And the other thing I think they can do, something they discussed before the pandemic and then scrapped it, they were talking about trying to do the draft at the College World Series right at the very end. Hold it in Omaha. you got a bunch of players still there. It is a point where a lot of fans are otherwise watching these games and then they see some of those guys get drafted i think it's closer to the schedule to the spring schedule for these kids and it ties it in much more naturally to another event as opposed to here i'm in la i was at the futures game there's all this all-star stuff this week but the draft has nothing to do with that and it it does not feel like a very natural tie-in to me at all these kids are all here for one totally separate thing and then they're leaving town (laughs) that's that's hilarious he's keith law He's the baseball writer for The Athletic, joining us here on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I'm Gabe Ramirez, filling in for Matt Spiegel today on Hit and Run. Let's talk about some guys that are in the big leagues, specifically our guy Soto. I mean, it's almost as if everyone thought he was, you know, initially everybody was like, oh, my gosh, well, there's a contract that's crazy. It's so big. Uh, why? Why do you think he turned it down? And, 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 and uh, what, what, is he, what do you think he's going – excuse me, what do you think he's expecting – to get out of that. I was a little surprised that he turned it down. If it's really now there, I saw one report that wasn't confirmed or I didn't see it confirmed, that a lot of the money was deferred. Right. So, and then Washington has done that before they did that with the Max Scherzer contract. So maybe that's the reason, you know, $440 million, obviously it's a ridiculous amount of money in any <laughs> perspective, but it's worth a lot less if say you're getting the Bobby Bonilla treatment and you're getting paid half of that money 20 years down the road. Sure. And, he could easily have said, or his agents could have said, look, we think we can get that kind of money, $30 million a year, and he's certainly worth it. 
without the deferrals from some other team. And maybe that's really what it is. It's less about what the total is that gets published and more about specifics in the terms of the offer. And he would, if you made him a free agent right now, which obviously he's not close to that yet, but he would absolutely get 30 plus million a year and a 10 year deal, especially because of his age. And somebody was talking to folks at the ballpark yesterday and uh, somebody said, you know, what if this is peak Ted Williams, at least at the plate, which he kind of is. I mean, he is probably the best pure hitter, just taking away position, defense, all that other stuff. Just all the stuff that comes at the bat, he's probably the best pure offensive player in baseball right now. And what's that worth? 30, 35, 40 million? And, and if you're trying to trade for him, probably your whole farm system. <laughs> exactly. You're going to have to give up a ton to get that guy on your team. I mean, he's a monster. You're absolutely right, Keith. I mean, when you see him at the plate, He's just he has the command and he, you you see his imposing will that he can it's just crazy seeing him there. But but what team do you think has a realistic shot at giving them their whole farm system? Now, just looking at who's got the prospects, uh, the easiest call is the Dodgers, right? They have the best farm system in baseball coming into the season. I don't really think that's changed. If anything, I think their farm system's gotten a little bit better and they have the resources to give him whatever contract he wants and not even blink. I think they're the most obvious fit. Uh, I think that the Yankees and the Mets are going to keep coming up in these conversations. I'm not saying they can't do it. Both of their systems are a little bit down from, you know, compared to, say, the the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the obvious one, where the Mets system is very top-heavy. They basically say, hey, take our top three prospects, and then they wouldn't have a whole lot left after that. They may decide it's worth it to get one of the best players in baseball. Whereas on the Yankees' side, I like the Yankees' system. There's some depth there, but most of their better prospects have not looked great so far this season. We did have Anthony Volpe in the Futures game yesterday, and I like him a lot, but he's had just an okay season so far. And I think that for him to headline a deal is probably not going to be enough for Washington. I'm also thinking Mike Rizzo has been the Washington GM for forever now, and he likes prospects. When he trades for prospects, he likes prospects with name. Like he wants a guy who's famous, who's super highly ranked, who fans and media and people in the organization are going to say, oh, you got that guy? That's the, the Dodgers can do that. The Dodgers have several guys potentially like that, where they could swing a deal that way. And they might be the best positioned out of anybody to do that because they have some star value prospects, some high-name high value prospects, projected stars, and they actually have some depth in the system. I'm not sure there's another club that could beat them. If the Dodgers say, we want this guy, they get the guy. I think they could put together the best offer out of anybody. After that, you're talking about systems like the ones I mentioned, the Cardinals maybe, possibly the Red Sox, but they were all flawed. I don't think they could beat a good Dodgers offer. When you hear about the Dodgers getting Soto, you're just saying to yourself, the rich just continue to get richer in that situation. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's 23 years old. It's not like you're talking about some guy that, you know, isn't 29, you know, late 20s, early 30s, 23 years old. And to me, you know what, Keith, the 15-year deal just seems scary if I, were, if I was that age. Because then you have to p- mm-hmm. put yourself at that age and you think to yourself what that looked like. Like you said, is it deferred money? But, but what kind of deal do you think he'll eventually get when and if he does uh, land on another team? Since it'll be an extension, not a free agent contract, I wonder if, just speculating here, yeah. um, does he get, does he try to take a shorter-term deal that lets him hit free agency at 30 or 31 and say, look, pay me like a superstar for seven years because I'm that good. I'm going to go out and get to free agency and get another massive deal when I'm 30. We've seen plenty of 30 year old position players get eight to 10 year deals in free agency that pay them top of the market salaries. If I'm him, his agent, 
I'm thinking, why can't I do that? Yeah. I'm as good as every one of these guys. That Don't be surprised if that ends up happening, if all this 15-year stuff ends up a little bit of smoke because of this deferred money issue, and instead he does a more traditional route and gets the seven- or eight-year extension. The number one rule I learned in economics when I was studying is money today is <laughs> worth more than money tomorrow. So get, yes. get the check today yep. and then worry about that 30-year-old check a little bit later. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Keith Law, baseball writer for The Athletic, joining us here on 670 The Score. Let's talk about some, some potential trades that could be happening, whether you're a seller like the Chicago Cubs or you might be a buyer like the White Sox. Let's start, let's start on the south side of the city. Are the whites can the White Sox get better at second base with the crappy farm system that they have? <laughs> you know, they have players who other clubs like. Um, they have Brian Ramos. They have Colton Montgomery, who might actually be good to trade. Too good to trade at this point. Yeah. It, it's not a great farm system. They have strip mined that farm system to build a contender, which is what you want, right? They promoted some guys and they traded a bunch of others. I'm I'm good with that. Um, that's how you build a contender. That is the purpose of a farm system. No, you know, no, there is no trophy for having Keith Law's number one farm system in baseball. And I promise you, there will never be one. I love that. But what, they, what the other thing the White Sox can do is, is potentially put some money into it. If they see a player out there and say, look, we'll take the whole contract and give you one of our second-tier prospects, Lennon Sosa, who looks like he's really turned a corner this year. I, I like Brian Ramos. I don't mean to denigrate him by saying sure. he's a second-tier prospect. But Colson Montgomery is the one guy in the system where I'm like, that guy, I might keep that one. I saw him play incredibly at shortstop, too, which I never saw him in high school. All the notes I had him in high school was too big, awkward, not going to stay at short. I mean, based off a game-and-a-half look, I'm not taking that guy off shortstop at any time soon. Wow. And obviously, he's performed extremely well at the plate. He's the one guy I'd say, we, we will discuss everybody else in the system, not that one. He's the one we got to keep. And, and I wouldn't blame them. Whether you think he stays at short, moves to another position, obviously you got Tim Anderson, you figure that out. It, Montgomery is too good. But I do think they could pick up, you know, say, I don't know who that guy is, but say somebody who's just a, just a regular, an average regular at second, where they say, we'll give you one or two of our next group of prospects and pay the money. Okay. That, that sounds right. Somebody that I've been looking at, I do a show on uh, Beck Hewell, Chalk Talk, Alex Gold. He's out in Kansas City. And he keeps telling me about Whit Merrifield, and he's like, "Gabe, you guys can have him." He just mm-hmm. he, he said he he said he didn't want to get vaccinated for the mm-hmm. ro- for the Royals <laughs> because they're trash. But if he was on a, a contender, he might get vaccinated for the playoffs. And so so I'm I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking that might be a guy where we don't have to give up the White Sox don't have to give up a ton of assets in order to get somebody like that. But is he going to be an upgrade over a guy like you know Josh Harrison or you know Larry Garcia, someone that Sox fans absolutely hate? So it'll be interesting to see. What kind of moves the Sox make as the trade deadline approaches? On the other side of the, of the city, you got the Cubs, definitely looking like some sellers with some of their guys. Um, who do you think is is someone that for sure is on their way out? And and where do you think Wilson Contreras is landing? <laughs> well, he's the most interesting guy, right? And there's, I think there's a pretty good market for him. There are definitely a couple of contenders that would like to have um, would like to have that upgrade behind the plate, whether it's just for a short term boost or it's potentially to sign him to a, a longer deal. I think he's the guy. And I also think they're in a situation where you, you got to trade him. They did get some good news too. Miguel Amaya back from Tommy John kind of transformed his body. He's really slimmed down. He looks like a totally different guy. He was already a pretty good prospect before he got hurt. So maybe that also just boosts their willingness to make that kind of trade. I think he's the one guy here where you absolutely have to have to explore dealing him. You know, if there's a market at all for Jan Gomes, 
can you take somebody like, you know, Patrick Wisdom, who's kind of a very all or nothing player, and you just trade him for a very minor return, you know, for just they, they, they did a couple of these deals last year. It's just we'll take a flyer yeah. on one one smaller, you know, kind of random guy from lower down in the system. David Robertson, Drew Smiley. These are guys you, you just put them out there, right? They're older guys. They're not part of the long term here. And if you get one prospect in return, you did well. That's the, that is okay. half the purpose of signing those guys. And those, I think those, most of the trade deadline activity, we might get a Juan Soto trade. Hey, we might get a Shohei Otani trade. But most of the trades at the actual deadline are going to be minor deals like that. One lesser player in his 30s gets traded for one prospect. Well, but what is realistic for someone like Wilson Contreras in terms of return? Like, is it a top 50 prospect? Is it a top 100 prospect? Like what, or is it a slew of them? What, what is realistic? I think it's probably, I'm spitballing here, but two yeah. prospects, one of whom is somebody you're, you know, he's a top 100 prospect or somebody who's close to that. And the other is a flyer, right? A guy sure. who you like, there's some tools, but there's something flawed. I think of Alex Canario, who was kind of the second player in that Chris Bryant deal last year with Caleb Killian. And I, mean, I know Killian hasn't looked good, but he was a better prospect at the time of the trade, at least. Whereas Canario, it's big power. But it's more power than hit. He's got some plate discipline questions. He got positional questions. That guy, that's why you get that guy, right? If he if he didn't have those questions, he's not available in the trade. So look for the Cubs to pick up a couple of guys like that in these trades, especially that's what your second guy. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a Contreras trade looked like a Bryant trade, where they get one guy who's you know killing at the time. There's pretty good consensus he was a big league starter, maybe a back end guy, but a big league starter, and then a flyer on a guy with power like Canario. Keith, great stuff as always, giving us hope here in Chicago that our team might, teams might look a little different as the season continues. Thanks for waking up early with us and hanging out on Hit and Run. My pleasure. Keith Law, baseball writer for The Athletic, joining us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. Filling in for Matt Spiegel today, talking a little bit of baseball. We got more on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Hit and Run on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago Sports Station. Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel today on Hit and Run. 670, The Score. Breaking news, Liam Hendricks is now an all-star. That's pretty cool. Shout out to the Southsiders. And it's funny because if you look back, Caesar, at the beginning of the season, people were people were like, hey, Hey yo, like they do in New York. A lot of uh, a lot of walks in the beginning of the season. Then, but then he settled down. Started started pitching well. Got a ton of saves. At the season right now, two point three five ERA. The win loss is not great, but who cares when you're when you're the closer? He's one and two, forty five strikeouts and eight walks. I like that. Heard some people talking about Hendricks the way you're currently talking about Lynn at the beginning of the season, if I remember correctly. Was it me? No, not you. Just oh. fans, Sox fans in general. They, Look they at me. had the same attitude. Look at me. I thought season was going to play a clip of me trashing Liam Hendricks at the beginning of the year. Oh, damn. So th- those things stick around when you're here on the score. But the good thing is this. We got another uh, – Sox got another uh, all-star. Now, we got Tim Anderson, Liam Hendricks, and we're just waiting for Cease, right? Is that what that is? Is he going to be another one named, do you think? Like an alternate? A replacement, right? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like Verlander's not going to pitch, and then they, they got Cease in there somewhere? I think Cease is like the number one alternate in waiting, if, if that's a thing. <laughs> that is a thing, actually. You know those exist. Because then they get upset when they don't make the roster initially, and because they're a, it's like an NBA All-Star game, you know? 
some of the stars feel like they don't want to play, and then you get the alternate guy, and he's like, yeah, I was supposed to be here anyway. But Liam Hendricks been, been pitching great as, as of late. He hasn't given up the – wait, is this right? Hasn't given up an earned run since May? Is this right? Is this right? Caesar, check my stats. I got to double check that. Let's double check Check that. my stat looking. No earned runs since May 14th. That's why he's an all-star. Against the Yankees was the last time he gave up a run. That's crazy. Please check that as fast as fast can be. But that's right, based off what I'm looking at right now. Jeez. Shout out Liam Hendricks. The brand new all-star for your Chicago White Sox. That just broke right now. Also, something that broke is the lineup for the Chicago Cubs today. They take on the Mets 120 right here on 670 to score. Pre-game starts at 1245 with Zach Zabin, of course. We got Christopher Morrell leading off, playing center. Gosh, he's been playing so good lately. It's just fun. To, he, he's a fun guy to watch. When he's up at the plate, you stop what you're doing because you're not sure if he's going to hit a homer or if he's going to get a single and then steal every base on the way home. What we got, Caesar? I'm pure right, right. energy, pure energy. I love him. Morrell, I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking. I thought you were going to fact check my 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 Liam Hendricks no run since May 14th. I'm seeing the same actually from. Uh, that's crazy. That's why he's an all star. That's cr- that's insane. How did I not know that? That's a phenomenal stat right there. Shout out Liam Hendricks. Okay, he's back, baby. Getting back to the Cubs. Wilson Contreras catching today. Batting in the two hole. Where's your Where's your favorite spot in the lineup, Caesar, for Contreras to be? DH batting first is that where, Is that where you'd put him? I like him in that two hole. Uh, you know, I've always been a, a believer that you know a lot of people say three or four, right? But I really think your best hitter belongs in that two hole, right? Because he's setting the table for your three four guys. He's moving over your leadoff hitter. You need a guy who can make contact, move the ball around. I really like him in a two hole. You know what it is? Maybe I'm just the old guy that's living in the past. And I, I, I'm always just, I'm thinking of small ball. Small ball just for me is, is beautiful. And when I think of my two hitter, that, that, and this is why I don't like Andrew Vaughn in two. I, get, I understand you want him to get more at bats. But for me, I want a guy that, that I don't mind telling him to lay down the bunt. If my leadoff hitter gets on, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of laying down the bunt to move him over in the first inning. You want to know why? You know who did that a lot? The 2005 White Sox. And they scored a ton of runs in the first inning that year. And yes, like I said, I, I gave the caveat. I'm, I'm the old guy over here reminiscing. It's okay, Caesar. I could do that. But not even just bunny. You need a guy in that two hole who's going to hit a ground ball to the right side. You know, do what he right. has to do to move that runner over. That's why I like Moncada in the two. Build up his confidence. Switch hitter. Lay down the bunt. Get a base hit. Hit a home run. He could do all of those things. But we're not talking about the White Sox right now. We're talking about the Cubs. Batting third. They got him in the DH role, Ian Happ. And then a guy who's just phenomenal yesterday, Seiya Suzuki, coming in at cleanup, playing right field. You like seeing him back in the lineup, Caesar? Yeah, I mean, who else is gonna, we're going to put out there, right? I mean, it sucks to say. but I, I mean, like seeing anyone that gets a hit back in the lineup. Yeah, who else is going to put out there? By the way, we have a texter uh, checking in from 630, points out a good uh, point here. Uh, Hendricks was hurt for a good amount of that time, or not a good amount, but it's some of that time he did not give up an earned run. Wasn't he hurt? He might have went on for a little bit, but I mean, he still has a ton of outings. I mean, because you're still at, what's that, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 16, 17 outings. So how, how about if I, if I say it like that? His last 16, 17 outings hasn't given up a run. That sounds a lot, but that sounds much better. Still actually. impressive. It is very impressive. May 14th, but we like the fact-checking. I like it. We appreciate that. We want to be a well-rounded show 
that spews facts nonetheless. Continue with the lineup. You got Nico Horner, fifth playing short. People love him at short. Look at him. Look at Caesar shaking his head. He's a budding star, man. Nico's a budding star. He's just, he's really, you know, at the beginning of the year, the big question was, is he a shortstop? Does he have the arm to play shortstop? Can he do that? And he's shut all those haters down this year. I mean, there's no doubt. Nico Horner is a major league shortstop. He really is. And let's not forget, he's also bad in 300. That's what you want. Nice glove and 300. Get on. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Budding star, man. He's a budding star. Problem is, his on base percentage is 338. Can't bat 300, and then your OBP be 338. It cannot. That's that's where you got to work on. It's all right. It's 25. But he's playing phenomenally, and obviously, it's great to see him produce the ways he has so far. Ben Sixth, Schwindel, playing first base. After that, you got Patrick Wisdom. Ben Seventh, playing third. What, what's your? Let me check your temperature on Patrick Wisdom. Oh, this is good. I, I, what you guys can't see is that Caesar's nonverbals are are just shining through right now. You had some some head nods when we we're talking about Nico Horner, and then you got some 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 nose when you're talking about Patrick Wisdom. I just think the fairy tale of Schwisdom has died, hasn't it? Schwisdom hasn't that fairy tale died? I mean, if you're a realistic until Cubs until fan, you know? uh, until today, if they go back to back, and then you're then you're back in again. I mean, come then on. you're gonna go swing. As a Cub fan, you have to realize that the fairy tale of Schwisdom is over. It's over. <laughs> I love that. David Bodie, batting eighth, playing second, and then Nelson Velasquez playing left field, rounding out the lineup. Adrian Sampson is on the bump today. He's going up against David Peterson, who earlier today we were talking to Zach Kroll, and he mentioned that David Peterson just had a baby. And as a father of two, I'm telling you right now, Cubs plus 120 is not a bad bet, even if you take the run line. Make some money on yourself. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel here on 670 Scores Hit and Run. We're going to talk to Brian Smith, who I had him on my show. I do the night show here at 670 Score. I, I had him on my show last week. He did a phenomenal job filling me in on all the Cubs prospects, people that they should be looking at. And with the draft happening today, I'm curious who he thinks the Cubs are going to, who are Cubs are going to pick. Who's on his radar? We'll talk to Brian Smith on the other side of this. I'm Gabe Ramirez. It's Hit and Run. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.